Welcome to the Spirit Truth Worship Podcast, where we have conversations about leading your church and leading your team in biblically formed worship. What is up, worship leaders? Welcome back to the Spirit Truth Worship Podcast. I'm on with a guest today, someone we actually serve in the same network of churches, Molly Hartman. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's great to be here. Honored. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. I'd love to start out by just sharing. We're going to talk through a few different things, something uh, around size dynamics. You served at a variety of different churches. Why don't you just start uh, by telling us a little bit about your current context, how you got there, how long you've been leading worship? Yeah. Yeah. So I am currently um, serving in Madison, Wisconsin. I'm on a church plant staff team uh, as the college ministry worship coordinator. So yeah, doing worship for students here at UW uh, Madison in Wisconsin. And um, I've been here since the beginning of the year, since January, so about two months now, but vocationally have been doing uh, worship ministry for the last seven years. And it's kind of ranged from everything from growing up, uh, I was in like a mega, mega church, uh, but then in college and predominantly when I started um, leading context of, yeah, about 2000 at that church out to a church plant where sometimes in the summer it was like 30 people on average to now this context is a a couple hundred um, that are part of this church plant. So I've kind of, um, I've seen a lot of different, different contexts, a lot of different places and spaces um, leading worship. Yeah. So, Wow. That's awesome. I, I've served in some uh, similar context of, I came from a multi-site uh, church in Arkansas. So we were uh, several, several thousand across multiple campuses. Before that, I served at uh, a little bit smaller church, still pretty good size, but um, served in like college ministry stuff. And like, there were a lot of times where it was like leading a room of 30 or 40 people uh, to where I am now at Candeo, which is uh, a little over a thousand. And so, yeah, very, very similar experiences. Would you, yeah, I would love to hear just some of your thoughts around like, what's it been like to go from serving in a mega church, several thousand people, uh, especially the transition from that to the the church plant of like 30 people in the summer. I think a lot of people listening to this maybe are in that season, are currently planting a church and uh, would would just love to know like, man, what's it like? I think a lot of a lot of times you are planted out of a larger church and you go to a much smaller context. Uh, and it can be, I don't know, maybe discouraging at some points or at least a little bit culture shocking. And so what has your experience been with that? Yeah, um, definitely. There has been a ton of transition and a ton of like reorienting yourself. Um, I think one of the things that was helpful that I think just like, it was this phrase that as I was leading in like a larger context and helping to like, we were trying to figure out how do we develop worship leaders to send out. Um, we went out on a church plant, my husband and I kind of right on like the the, the start of our network of churches deciding we really want to be intentional about planting churches. Um, and so one of the things that was on my mind as I was leading in the sending church was like, how do I help our students like love to worship Jesus in this room of like a thousand, um, the same way that they would in like a gym cafeteria if it was like 30 people. And Hmm. so I think some of it was like, God was kind of, was kind to like, just give me a heart of like, okay, the God that we're serving and worshiping 
is the same um, and is just as worthy and just as deserving of our praise and attention and focus and adoration. Um, but how do I help like our students believe that? And then how do I also believe that um, when there is such a difference of like resourcing people, even just like established culture? Um, but like started to kind of ponder like, okay, like God, what what are the things that I need to hold fast to and like need to have as foundational when I go out and everything changes? Um, and then we went out and everything changed. And so I feel like the like predominant things that that shift in going from a really like established church or like large church context to a church plant or maybe to where um, it's like a newer church um, really comes down to like uh, resources. Um, how, what my time spent looked like and how I like recontextualized thinking about shepherding and leading people. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of like dig into yeah. those. Yeah. I, I love that one. You said something about like, how do I help the people I'm leading believe that God's worthy of the same praise, whether it's 30 people in a cafeteria or thousands of people. I think of like the difference between like, we went to salt salt national conference, 4,000 mm-hmm. people in the room. And then we all went back to our church plants the, the very next weekend. And it was like, mm-hmm. you know, almost a shock. I think, I think a lot of us like had that experience of like, wow, conference was incredible. And then the first week back, we're like, Oh, Oh man, I needed like a week off to just recover. Uh, but also just like the difference in like expectation and, and like what it's like. But, but at the end of the day, it's like, God is actually worthy of the exact same, like our lifted hands, our shouts of praise are actually not uh, primarily determined based on the size of the room, how good the music sounds, or even the songs we're singing. But in fact, it's the worthiness of Jesus to receive those things. And so that was, yeah, I love that. Like, how do I believe it? And how do I help the people I'm leading really believe that? Which, man, I think the best place is always to open the word of God and let, let God's word lead us to worship. But man, that's, that was powerful. Um, resources you said that that's a huge one. Have you found, uh, cause I just shifted context from a place with a very large budget to a place with a very different sized budget. I won't say small, but definitely <laughs> different sized. And one of the things that I've, uh, just reminded myself is, uh, that we don't need a lot of the like pomp and circumstance and like, we don't need a lot of the things that we think, even to the point where it's like, man, we actually don't need drums or electric guitar. That's one thing we're struggling with a lot right now is like having strong electric guitar players and having enough, uh, all of our electric guitar players right now decide to have babies at the same time, uh, literally <laughs> like the same due dates. And so we're just like, oh wow, we're like really out of uh, guitar players. But we don't need electric guitar to worship. And so uh, the Lord's worthy even. Uh, we luckily have a cello player who can, he, he covers like our, like, I like it, I almost like it better. If you're listening and you're from my church, I'm sorry. I think the cello is the best. Um, I love you, David. But okay, I'll joke inside that. Like, what is your experience with like resource and how have you like even theologically thought through how resources impact worship and how to overcome some of the challenges? Totally. Um yeah, it, like really, there's there are a couple moments of like a couple weeks out into the church plant, and um, the team is predominantly college students. And so when the students would go away for the summer, and it's me and maybe like two other volunteers that are musicians for the worship team, and I feel like I really found myself in in the heart of the old Matt Redman song, "Heart of Worship," of like, yeah. all right everything else is stripped away. And it truly is just like about you, Jesus. Um, which like, honestly though, like 
I think it led to like sweet opportunities to like even just be like honest with our church and a church that size, there's a different level of like family community and like opportunity to just like speak honestly um, into like, hey, here's the people that God has blessed us with and how do we steward that well? Um, but yeah, when it comes to like to specifically the, the challenge of resources, I feel like it's shifting and even like guarding really intentionally from like, here's what I have or here's what I feel like I need to like be like, God, would you give me eyes to see what you have put in front of me um, and how to like steward that that wisely. And so, yeah, how do I shift my my time? Maybe it's it's less time like getting my players to replicate exactly what's on a track and thinking about, okay, we have these three pieces. We've got drums, we've got keys, and we've got a guitar. How do we, how do I help like lead this team to like what to like my redefined version of like what is excellent and like giving our best Mm. to the Lord in this context. And so I feel like, yeah, oftentimes it's maybe just reimagining and getting creative with like, yeah, what does the makeup of our bands look like? And then how do we do the most with that. Um, sometimes it's, okay, where are, who's a tech volunteer? Who do I need to spend more time this week? Just asking someone, Hey, could you push buttons for like lyrics for this week? I, I know you've never done it before, but we really, we need you to like to serve and help lead our church in that way. And so, um, I think though too, like there, it's this weird dynamic of, I mean, you mentioned this too, of like, you know, sometimes you like, you like it more. Um, and I think I've found over the years that being able to strip away some of the like production elements or some of the, like, when you have every piece in place, it allows you as a leader to sometimes then think of like, okay, what's the next step or think about things that are kind of auxiliary to the main part of what we're doing as worship leaders, like the main heart of it. And so, um, it's led to some really just like sweet times where it's like, oh, we really are just seeing in a really simple way, like what we're here to do to worship God, to make much of him um, and and not ourselves and not like the, the resources that we have. So I think it's wow. like opened the door for, um, for maybe even just like a clearer path to helping shepherd and lead people. Um, Cause there's just more time to focus on other things if you don't have all the lights or all of the people in your, on your team. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely, I think, creative ways to solve, overcome a lot of resourcing issues, like across the board, like in a lot of different ways. Even one for me is, uh, is even just thinking through like main stage for keys. So main stage Mm -hmm. is like 30 bucks. We get Sunday keys. It's like 75 bucks. You basically put a package for a hundred dollars. I got a MIDI keyboard. Uh, it's like right beside me right now. That's like a hundred bucks. And it sounds amazing. And as we've like thought through more and more about like using less tracks and like uh, even like you don't have enough money for a Nord, how am I going to get a good sound? This is like a $200 key setup that I've like learned Mm -hmm. how to layer and build synth patches and like just being creative and like thinking through like, how can I do this and building my own patches? Man, we've like actually been able to like intentionally replace like a lot of the like synth tracks we used to have run to get some of those sounds. And also at a fraction of the price of what it would have cost to like do the Nord and like build out a whole track system. And I think, and even like team nights, you know, like I love to be able to cater food for team nights, but a potluck is also another way that like everybody just brings some food. And so there's a lot of, whether it's, you know, equipment issues you're running into, or just like trying to like instill culture in your team. 
there's probably like hundreds of creative and free ways to overcome some of those resourcing challenges. And so, yeah, uh, you said two other things. Uh, so it was resourcing. What were the other two things you said, um, before about, I feel like, yeah, there's a shift in, um, like time spent and then a shift in, um, I mean, not really necessarily a shift, but like a reframing of what, how do I think about like shepherding this room versus like the size of this room? Yeah. Um, yeah. Why don't you so, talk about the, how you spend your time, like the differences in that between contexts? Yeah. Um, so I think for most people when they're moving to like a smaller context and definitely in my case, um, it just meant like a smaller, a smaller team. Um, and, uh, not like a necessarily like a full-time tech person. And so you start to wear a lot of hats and I feel like probably many um, worship leaders, it's a small fraction that are parts of church where they don't have to wear multiple hats and they're only thinking about like planning a set, leading, leading their team, leading worship. And so um, in wearing so many hats, uh, one of the things that uh, I really learned, I think early on in, in the first couple of days of coming to a new place and coming to a smaller context is the application even of again, kind of the old adage of they, they don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care Mm. and the size dynamic of, of the room. And especially in a church plant where maybe there's new people that have never been to a church before, don't know any of the songs that you're going to plan. Even if you're like, Oh, this is, this is one that's like a radio hit. Everyone knows this song. It'll be great. It'll be easy. Um, there's just way more people that maybe don't come from that background that, um, don't know you. And so this size dynamic shift of like more time spent, um, on the ground with people, um, with your team, uh, getting to know them, leading them, shepherding them, walking through life with them, uh, more time with people, just even like maybe in your church context, if you're on a church plant team, there might just be like community members or new people you're needing to, to welcome to, to your church. And I think the tension that I, have wrestled with or have felt is like, man, it feels like it's taking away from my time to like dig into the set or plan for rehearsal or, you know, really like, okay, learn this, this part on the keys. I'm, I'm not naturally a person that, that plays, that leads from an instrument, but I had to oftentimes and feeling like, okay, I've got an hour and I would love to have that be like learning this keys part, but there's this new person coming to our church that like, this is the only time it works for them to meet. I want to pick like that time to meet that person because my, like my, my presence with them, my ability to like know them, know their story, know their life, like, gosh, the investment there, I feel like reaps tenfold than on a Sunday morning when I'm leading that song that has an hour less practice than I wish it did. But because like that person knows me and I know their story, I feel like there's something there that happens in like opening up and like the spirit at work, um, in our worship and between like pastoring and shepherding people that even just opens up opportunities for our worship to like be pleasing to God and for people to connect with God, to believe the truths that we're singing about and to see him more clearly. And so, um, and not to say like, that's balanced with like, even just extra time than figuring out what are the creative solutions to my problems. Okay. How do I take more time to, um, like figure out what are, what are we doing in this context when it comes to, to some technical things, when it comes to planning sets, um, more time 
also just like developing musicians. And so it's maybe less time honing my craft and more time investing in the people on my team because it's a smaller team and I need them. And so I need um, them to grow in their giftings um, to be able to like, for us to be a little like microcosm of the body of Christ of like, okay, I, I, I need, and I want to see gifts yeah. developed in people so that like we, that I can like be supported in a small context. Um, but then like, they're just able to, to serve God to the, the full capacity of, of their giftings and, and what he's, he's given to them. So there's been a couple of things when it comes to rethinking, um, how time is spent in a smaller context. Yeah, no, that is, yeah, that is super helpful. Just thinking through <clears throat> even what you said, I, I was just reminded of Ephesians five eighteen through 21. Uh, it says, uh, don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the spirit as you address one another in Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I just think it's like, man, when, as Paul wrote those words, did he have in mind that like, it would be how excellent the music was that led to the filling of the spirit or actually maybe like the relational awareness and like knowing one another and like singing the gospel. And so I think what you're saying is huge about just getting to know your people and it will actually reap a greater reward in your worship. If you really know the people that you're leading for a whole variety of, of reasons, but yeah, that's super, that's super good. Uh, so one last thing would be shepherding the room, which I think is maybe a really big one. That's like difficult for people as they move between different, um, context. I know anytime I've come to a new context, I've served at three churches. Uh, my first like six months, I'm still leading my new context. Like I would have led my old context as I'm learning mm-hmm. how to lead my new context, uh, differently, uh, in maybe a more appropriate way based on all the different circumstances. But, uh, what has your experience been with that, uh, going from the different contexts? Yeah. So I think, I mean, the the primary like job and role of like obviously like us as worship leaders regardless of the context as we shepherd people is to like lead them out of love and like lead them you know not to ultimately the good shepherd to Jesus and so I think the beauty is is that 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 doesn't change um, we get to be under shepherds um, and pointing them to Christ but mm-hmm. and so like that principle of leading out of love, uh, translates regardless of the context. But I feel like, um, some of the beauty in moving to like a smaller context or reframing, um, again, it's connected to that time piece, but really like I can look out into a room of a couple hundred even, and really like actually know some of the stories of people going on. I can know about the, the family that is going through the adoption process. I can know and see like, maybe someone uh, that's lost um, a grandmother or has lost a parent in the church, someone that's walking through a health struggle or marital issues or like, there's just this beauty of like, when you can look out and see the faces of people and know some of the real things that are going on in their lives. And then the real ways that like, they are clinging to God, um, the real ways and like the real truths of the gospel that they're needing to like grip onto. And so there's like, such a beautiful opportunity to be able to like, to like even lead, lead towards that. And, um, to like steward my role of like, okay, I know what people are walking through. And so how do I also help them look to God, like look to the beauty and fullness of who he is and how he'll meet them where they're at. Um, but then also provide them with like language and songs. And it's like these many paraphrased, pieces of theology that people are going to take with them then into their week and into, um, 
what they're walking through. And so, um, I think there's like in a smaller context, there's an ability to just be way more, um, way more diligent and just uh, intentional about connecting um, to like to what you know people are walking through and maybe like you you might be in a context where what you're choosing songs or kind of where you're adding shepherding moments what you do for that is potentially like bound a little bit more in a set like liturgical flow or different types of categories but even like in our prayers in the ways that we set up songs or choose scriptures like you know a, a song of of confession um, you know, we're confessing our sinfulness, our brokenness, but maybe it's also addressing like, as we're confessing the sin, there's also just sin in our world. There's sin done against, done against us and to us. And so like offering even just like these different lenses that, you know, may connect, um, to the people that you're leading. Um, but then I think like another way to love the people you're leading and shepherding them well is also by being willing to like share your life with them. Um, and I think this is another unique opportunity, especially in a smaller context where, again, it's, um, it's not, and not so much that it's like a, oh, here's my life. Here's all these amazing things I'm learning about God. But I think particularly in our weaknesses, like the places in my life where I'm needing to lead myself to Jesus, where I'm needing to put myself at the feet of the good shepherd, um, take so much pressure off of me to be like, the person to like answer all everyone's problems on a Sunday morning or yeah. um yeah. have the perfect right thing to say, but simply by like opening up, man, here's like here, here's the truth of the gospel that that I am needing. Or maybe just as you're planning and preparing, like you're just you're saying like, hey God, like, yeah, these are the themes you've been doing over and over in my life. And it's not a mistake. You're not unaware that I'm also in the context I am in the church I'm at leading the people that I'm leading. And so just being open to the possibility of like, man, this theme of like either your faithfulness, God feels particularly sweet to me. Maybe that's, maybe if I'm paying attention to that, getting curious about that, leading out of that, um, that's a way that God wants to to lead a larger group of people kind of through the ways that you're experiencing God. I like think about David and like the Psalms that he's writing from like very specific moments and times in his life, whether it's like on the run from Saul or celebrating a particular battle or, you know, his Psalm of confession um, in Psalm 51, where like God then used those very personal things that were happening in his life and the truths he was learning about God in those moments to then like lead a larger context of people and to be this like songbook that, that people were singing. And so, yeah, I think, um, like being willing to just like to get a little more vulnerable um, again in a smaller context, I think just helps people to to see um, and to trust and to like know the person that's leading them, and even in seeing and knowing their own brokenness, their own ways that they're needing um, to worship God, the reminders that they're needing to sing in those mornings like helps to have it be everybody worshiping together. So yeah, that's really powerful. Yeah, yeah and I think too like being vulnerable in front of a room. Like I think one, yeah, just the words that we say, uh, there's definitely a moment <clears throat> I'll share two stories. One recently, uh, was like doing my own like quiet time and like felt a prompting from the Lord to read Hebrews two, which doesn't often happen that I just have a weird prompting to read like a chapter of a book. Like I didn't know what was in Hebrews two. I just was like Hebrews two. Okay. And I'm reading it and it like, you know, it was one of those moments where like the spirit of God led me to this passage and just did a really like powerful work in my heart that morning and just was 
kind of brought me to this place of like seeing the grace of God, maybe like in a new way for the first time, like I, that I'd felt in years. So then I'm like prepping that week and we're singing this certain song. And I'm like, man, these things are just like meshing together, like really well. Like, I feel like I need to read this passage with our uh, students, but it felt a little bit vulnerable. I was like, man, like this is something really deeply personal the Lord's doing. But I just wonder if anybody else like is basically ever like too scared to come back to God with their sin. Like if they've been like walking with Jesus for years and just struggling, like they almost think that, yeah, Jesus wanted to forgive me the first time, but now he just kind of begrudgingly does it because he said he would, but he's kind of disappointed in me every time I come back, which isn't true. And Hebrews two is where it talks about Jesus as our older brother. Uh, and that he, because he stepped into our suffering, is a, a compassionate high priest who can enter in with us and welcomes us back. And so I share it with the worship team, kind of had like, you know, blank stares from the worship team. They're like, wow, this is vulnerable. And I'm like, oh man, I don't know if this is going to go well. Uh, but really thought like, man, this is what I need to share tomorrow. And after that Thursday night, had multiple students come to me saying that that's what they were walking through as well. And, mm-hmm. and, context. I also lead at a salt company in our college ministry. And so was leading in that context that night. Uh, but then had several people come to me too and say like, man, I was like the person next to me, I saw them like right in their journal. They're a good friend of mine that that was actually what they've been struggling with. And it was just like all these testimonies of people where that like hit them right where they were, even though it felt really vulnerable to say like, this is actually something I've personally been struggling with. Uh, for years, even like having this like wrong view of God in this way, but mm-hmm. man, maybe this would you know offer hope to you too. And so, and then there's just last Sunday, and this isn't like an every week. I have these like crazy things happen, but <laughs> I, we know someone who just walked through some tremendous loss. A couple uh, that's friends with us, uh, and it's very similar loss to something my wife and I walked through at the end of last year. Uh, and it was super fresh for them, just like a couple of days after after this tragic thing happened. And we're singing the gospel and I look out and I see them and they didn't start crying, but I started crying and I just was like, man, like sometimes the vulnerable thing isn't like the thing that we say and the shepherding moment we give, but it's like letting the spirit of God minister the gospel to our hearts as we sing. And just like, don't be afraid to like, let that happen. Like, that's not a bad thing. And we don't have to like pretend like we have all of our stuff together all the time. And, uh, even in larger contexts, I think it's okay to, to really like lean into some of that vulnerability. Um, and speaking of being vulnerable, this is a weird transition. Here we go. (laughs) Speaking of being vulnerable, uh, I, we've never talked about this really, but you, you moved from a really large context to a small church plant, but now you're in a different context because something happened with that church plant that it, it didn't quite, pan out long-term. I don't know all the details, but, uh, for someone listening and we can totally just cut this out. I have the ability to edit this thing, but do you, would you feel comfortable like talking about that transition out of that? Like for someone who maybe went to plant a church and then it didn't work out and they maybe feel like, man, am I even cut out to be a worship leader? If, and, and it wasn't like, obviously like the worship wasn't the problem at this church. Um, and, and I actually don't know like any of the details. So I'm just like throwing, throwing something out there that we did not no, talk about great, ahead of yeah. time. But yeah, I don't know if you want to share that. Um, just some encouragement yeah. for a worship leader. Yeah, man. Yeah. Cause I mean, I think, think like looking back at it and like, praise God, there's still, you know, there's still a church there, a local church, there's still students gathering. Um, and so our transition, um, from that church plant, um, very unexpected and was just due to another pastoral transition um, that because of the network we're a part of um, just left a lot of question marks. Um, And even just like, 
you know, after two and a half years of like almost three years of just giving kind of your heart and soul to a ministry and to, to leading people and, and praying for God to do work and seeing him like save people and bring some growth, but still just kind of having it not, um, honestly, it just didn't get to a place where it could, um, sustain our, like our staff size. And so that meant a lot of like, um, like another kind of, um, thing that felt like God was closing the door on our time there and prompting like a need for us to transition. And, um, yeah, the kind of feeling like, oh man, like, could I have done more? Could I have done something different? Like, did I do enough? And I'm sure that there's people that maybe you're in ministry context and you're like, I don't know, you're just like, you're leading with all your heart. And it just feels like every week you get like kind of the blank stares and you maybe see someone's hand twitch and you're like, um, but no, they just like had an itch or something, you know, like you, you're like leading with all you've got. (laughs) Uh, And it just feels like, man, like, is anything, is this, is this worth anything? Like, is there anything happening, um, in people's hearts and, God, like, are you, like, are you there? Like, are you doing things? Do you see this? Do you hear my prayers? And, um, I think like, man, some of the things that I've like, I've clung to in the midst of that, of that transition, and even just not knowing like what, what would it mean for us, um, vocationally, what would it mean for both my husband and I in ministry and doing ministry together and, um, how rare it felt like there was an opportunity for us to do that together at the church plant and being thrust into this like place of unknown of not knowing what was next. Um, of really like, I think just like reminding myself, like no matter the outcome, no matter like what feels like the tangible results or the fruit, um, that I can count, um, in my ministry, like I, it seems like cheesy, but like, you know, like my first call is just to like, to, to worship God myself and to be like leading myself, um, uh, to him, letting like the word and the spirit, like guide me and, um, and fill me. And so I think like, yeah, if you're in the midst of, of, of that transition, I think, or, or something hard in ministry, I think one, like shifting circumstances, like those aren't our barometer for who God is and what he's doing and if it's good or right, but like mm, just actually like the faithfulness and like unchanging sure um, foundation that our God is and that he doesn't change, that he is the same and faithful and promises to be with us. Um, and that includes like the, the green pastures and the valleys of the shadow of death and knowing that yeah. he's with us and leading us for, for our good and for his glory. And um, that can be, easy to feel like a, like maybe like a bumper sticker kind of phrase, but I found actually in moments of unknown of transition and even just like suffering, um, my opportunity to, to sing the truths of the gospel to myself and with others and, um, the beauty of worship, um, just becomes so much more profound and so much more real, um, in the midst of some of that honest questioning. So, yeah, our God is faithful, man. If you're in the midst of it right now, he sees you, he knows you, he wants to meet with you in the midst of it and is way more concerned with, um, you than, than anything that you're doing for him. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think those things just feel like they need to be particularly pronounced when you're, when you're going through any type of, um, suffering or transition or trial. So, 
Yeah, that's yeah. so good. A phrase I often come back to that we said a lot at our last church, and even uh, one of our pastors here has said some similar things, but is who, who we are in Christ is more important than what we do for Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're a lot more than just our ministry output, uh, who we are in Christ. And anything we do for Christ, it should be the overflow of who we are in Christ. And so always remembering that any transition, I think, is super helpful. Well, I want to take the next few minutes uh, and just unpack a little bit of, of two thoughts. Uh, so some unique challenges, maybe as a, a female worship leader, especially in what I would, I would consider largely, uh, especially in the more like Southern Baptist uh, reformed kind of circles, it would be a largely male dominated uh, space. What are some thoughts you have first for uh, maybe a girl watching this who feels called to ministry but doesn't know what next steps to take? And then after that, we'll talk maybe about uh, what you'd say to a guy who's leading worship, who has females on his team, uh, but maybe isn't sure how to lead them the best that he can, especially around development and giving time to help them grow in those giftings. Yeah, totally, totally. Man, uh, a great a great topic, obviously very personal for me. Um I feel like, yeah, even just some of my own story, like I grew up singing and like volunteering on worship teams and was given a lot of opportunity in that regard. But even when I was starting to think about like, what would I do with my life and with my job? I knew I wanted to do ministry. Um, And so I had this desire for ministry and um, like giftings in music and in worship. But um, I was like, I was pretty set on like, okay, I'll do youth ministry or kids ministry. because I thought that, that like those were the options available for me in full-time wow. ministry and like wow. didn't even know that worship doing that full-time was like an option until, um, until, uh, our worship leader, um, and his wife, like they just did a great job investing me and they had like a really clear, mo- like life-changing conversation, obviously like, no, like you should do worship. And I'm like, I could do that. Um, and so I think like, for like women that are, yeah, that love, love God, love to worship and feel like, yeah, maybe a calling to, to worship ministry or feel, feel curious about, um, what that could look like for them. Um, one, I think like, just to like, I guess, speak a word of like courage that, um, like God, God sees and knows like your gifts, your heart, um, your desires. And even just to like, there, maybe it's not in your context. Maybe you're like me and you just didn't grow up seeing, um, women leading in that capacity. Um, but you know, if you come across this, hi, I'm Molly and I'm by no means an expert, but I've like, God's like been so gracious to give me the opportunity to like, to do this and to like serve him, um, in like the fullness of, of my gifts. Um, um, and so like one, I think just some like encouragement of like, yeah, like it is out there. Maybe you don't see it in your context, but, um, there, there is room for you. There is space for you. Um, but then too, I think like, and maybe some of it is like, maybe not specific to women, but I think a good reminder that it can feel like you need to be maybe like more, have like a higher level of skill or particularly for women that feel like leading, and like being worship leader isn't an option. It feels like it shifts to just proving that you can do the job that you can, you know, you can sing the things you are well-spoken or you can learn the instrument. And I feel like there's a real potential danger of shifting, like, okay, what's important are my competencies and like what I can do. 
and to just like encourage you to like your your character will never um like outpace your or yeah if you like the how do, how do you say it your character like your character is what matters way more than your competencies still like when it comes to to leading worship and um there is like a, a often like a higher bar of of skill but don't let that neglect like your like personal worship your walk with god like it um yeah it will just be like uh, you will you'll run yourself like empty if you if you think that like um just more skill will get you where you need to go like yeah your relationship with jesus will never um will never uh will all your skill will never get you further than like where you your heart is with god i got there mm. So, um no, yeah good. and then just like so then like in light of like just stewarding and like investing in your your own walk with with god like love god's word if i had any like advice to like a worship leader maybe even like a like you're getting some opportunities to shepherd or to like speak or lead out um in your current context i know that something that was really helpful for me as I was starting to think about like how to, how to shepherd, what to think about when I have to, when someone's like, Hey, would you like introduce the song, say something? Um, like God's word is like such a safe place, obviously, because it is like, it is true. It is sure. And so like God's word over my word, like nine times, 10 times out of 10, like is the the safe bet. And so like, even if it is like paraphrasing or like, how are you soaking yourself in God's word where like, as you speak truths and like point to truths in songs, like this is like, this is who God is. This is what his word says. And so oftentimes, like if I, when I was like starting out to lead and they'd be like, Hey, would you introduce this song? Or like, or even like, Hey, we want you to pray after this song. I would like double space all the lyrics and like in the gaps with like, each line, like if I could find a place in scripture that either like spoke directly to that or like to that theme would kind of like go through and just like annotate and like soak myself both in the truths of like the song, but in like the, the word of God. And so that way then as I was, as I'm talking about it, as I'm leading people, as I'm praying, um, there's just a greater degree of confidence because I'm like, it's God's word, not mine. And so I know it's going to be good. Yeah, man, that is so good. Yeah, that's I, yeah. We say all the time at our church that uh, we we intentionally choose character over competency uh, because yeah, that's what matters the most. Like if our hearts aren't in the right place, it doesn't matter how skillful we are or how impressive we are. Our impressiveness doesn't lead people to Jesus. Uh, but when we are coming from a place of like authentically being with Him, then there's there's power in that worship uh, and being able to like lead people to see something. Like someone knows the difference between someone who says Jesus is good and someone who's tasted and seen that Jesus is good. Mm-hmm. Like there's a difference and we all feel it. And so, man, I think that's super good. What would you say to, uh, well, I want to go back to and just say for worship leaders, much like me, I, I'm in a context now where my intern is a girl uh, and she's awesome, super gifted. Uh, it's been super fun to lead with her. Um, but this has been a learning curve for me because uh, proximity is influence. Uh, and uh, in the past when I've had like guys, like I had an intern uh, who came and stayed at my house one summer, like he lived at my house. 
Like, and, and there's just certain things. It's like, dude, I spent every single day with him. Like we spent a ton of time together, had a lot of relational growth, got to speak the word of God into him, like not just at church, but around my dinner table. And there's some unique challenges. I think when you have like a guy worship leader, uh, serving alongside a girl worship leader and the mm-hmm. fact that like, you can't spend as much time alone, like one-on-one together, uh, you just don't have that opportunity. It's not, uh, it's just not good to put yourself in situations like that. I think sometimes too. And so yeah, I think I would just say there can be a tendency then for guys to kind of push away female leaders and not invest in them mm-hmm. as much. But I, I but mm-hmm. I want to like encourage and caution worship leaders. If we do that, if we neglect the the people on our team of the opposite gender and don't invest in them, how many people who God is calling aren't being equipped to do the ministry they're called to do because we're just not willing to step in and figure out how to work around maybe some of the the challenges with that. So uh, that might be the, the kind of segue into this next. What would you say to someone like me uh, who's got mm-hmm. someone like Anna on my team who I'm trying to invest in? Uh, that's just some like good ways and not even like an intern or someone, maybe not even someone who feels called to full-time ministry, but like, how would you talk to guys? And we, we kind of talked about this before and you can, I loved what you said before we jumped on, but yeah, just, just share a little bit of your thoughts around how, how guys can better lead the the females on our team. Yeah. 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 Um, I've like, I've been in different, different rooms too. Yeah. Where it's kind of like a barrage of like questions, like, how do we do this? How do we do this? And I mean, genuinely one question was like, how do we like, like, how do we just like start conversations or how do we just like talk with the women on our team about like, about like how they're doing like on the worship team? And I'm like, um, probably just like how you would talk to anybody else. I'm like, not trying to be like, you know, socially awkward worship leaders. (laughs) No, but I think like, yeah. I mean, what you said of like, even, even the rooms that you're like, that you're, that you're leading and that you're serving, like statistics, but it's like 50%, often more than half of that room are like our women too. And the, the ability to like have kind of a representative also help lead you is like, is so, it can be also so powerful and so meaningful for like the women in your church that you're, that you're leading. And often, you know, we're, we're in a complementarian context and it's one of the spaces where, um, women can just really clearly, um, like lead out and, um, and kind of be a, a a visible, um, voice of like a woman in leadership. And so, uh, general like resourcing, um, Katie Cole has a book called developing female leaders, um, that, that I have read that many people, um, kind of in, in our context have read that I think would be a go-to resource for, for you, if you're like, I, I really want to figure out how to lead the women on our team and not just like interact with them, but even help develop and like raise them up to, to be leaders. Um, but yeah, if you're in a context where, yeah, you've got kind of like a yeah, opposite gender um, person you're trying to invest in, I think um, first there's just the ability to like speak a lot of courage, like my own story to have someone very intentionally be like, this is what I see in you. This is what I think you could be. Um, that just like speaks leaps and bounds to know like, oh, the person leading sees this in me and like is willing to kind of help me get to that place. Um, those types of conversations, man, can just be like pouring gasoline on a fire, um, whether you know it or not. Um, truly like our words, like we can speak like words of life or words of death. And so um, even in like the, the context where you are able to meet, where you're able to um, give criticism and critique, but also like encouragement. Um, 
take every opportunity to, to do that. Um, even if it seems like just like a small little comment, um, that's huge. Uh, but then I think too, like opportunities for, for coaching or for like abilities to just bring, um, them into what you're doing. Um, and maybe bringing alongside, like one of the principles, um, in the, the Katie Cole developing female leaders book talks about just like, it's, it's at a cost to you cause it's more time, but like, man, if you're going to do something with a guy on your team, could you bring, um, could you bring a girl along or yeah. could you invite like, great. Like if you want to hang out and talk about how you think about planning a set, um, bring like all of the vocalists on your, invite all the vocalists on your team to kind of like, to get that, um, insider knowledge or to get kind of like your thought process or yeah, the opportunities for development and for life together. Um, yeah. What does it look like to maybe just then bring other people in that you wouldn't, um, initially see. So I feel like those are a couple things just off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah. That is super great. Molly, thanks so much for coming on and talking. Like, I thought this was a super helpful conversation. I have like a whole page of notes just for my, myself, just like things that you said that were super good. And so, yeah, thanks again for coming on. I want to finish with just some like rapid fire as fast as you can think of an answer, answer these questions, uh, and then okay. we'll, we'll be done if that's cool. Uh, yeah. Well, first, before we hit the rapid fires, if someone wants to follow you on social media, is there a way to do that? Or you are you on social media? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm on Instagram. I literally have to look at what is my, <laughs> what's my That's Instagram healthy. handle. I love that you don't know your Instagram handle. <laughs> um, Molly underscore Hartman. Cool. That's, that's me on Instagram. Otherwise, if you're ever in Madison, docs a church, we'd love to, I'd love to connect. Um, cool. yeah, love it. Yeah. And if, mm -hmm. uh, if you're watching this, you're a worship leader and you want to be a part of church planting and engaging college students, hit us up. We would love to talk to you about how to get involved with that. Uh, but here's your rapid fire questions. First, go to order at a coffee shop. Oh, a, uh, white mocha. Favorite book you've read in the last year. The pastor by Eugene Peterson. Okay. Big. Oh, it is, uh, it is 10 Oh two. Uh, are we on the same time zone? I don't know. We don't are, know yeah. Okay, it's ten o two, and so we'll we'll have to wrap this up so we can we can pray our ten o two prayer together. Uh, nice. But before uh, before we do that, one more one more question: biggest worship fail that you've had? Oh man, um, uh, gosh, just this last week, I um, was I don't know if it's the biggest, but it's the first thing that came to mind. Um, we were. I was setting up a song um, in between our first two songs, and normally we do one song announcements and then another group of songs on Sunday mornings. And we finished the first song, but this week we had two songs, and I had like 20 seconds to give a little um, like intro to the song to kind of fill. It was a long intro, it was a little awkward, needed to fill a space. But the person doing announcements started coming up. So as I'm trying to like transition into Son of Suffering and talking about like like our sinless Savior. I, I basically said like basically the sins of Jesus. I'm like, no, 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 he didn't have <laughs> sins. But like the track is counting down. And I don't, you know, I I saved the moment, but I had a real panicky, like, you know that verse one is coming and I have just said heresy and I need to like <laughs> clarify real quick while also being like, okay, but we're not doing announcements. So <laughs> like three you're places like, at once. You like stiff arm um, the pastor, you're no. like trying to fix heresy. You're like, wait, no. hold on. Let me pull my Nicene creed out and get this oh, right. Guys, Jesus was without sin. 
<laughs> but man. he became sin for us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's glorious. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, but yeah. And then a lot of just wrong lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. It'll happen. Classic. <laughs> Wow. Well, that is, that is awesome. Is uh, do y'all have a live stream? Like, can I find that? Um, yeah, you probably could. I think wow. it was, I it may... was first service. Okay. So <laughs> I may go look for that. After. I don't even That'll remember. Be... I need to go back and rewatch it because maybe it's worse in my head, but I think it was, it was along those lines where it was like maybe implied that Jesus had sin and, um, yeah. really, I definitely, I've definitely done something similar where I, I accidentally said, Jesus, I was, it was in Jesus paid it all. And I said, Jesus left a crimson stain and, or uh, yeah, instead of sin had left a crimson yeah. stain that Jesus. And so I, I still get ragged on by my wife for that one. I think that's my mm-hmm. only like real flub of, of speaking, but yeah. wow. Thanks so much. This has been a blast. I enjoyed <laughs> yeah. this. Uh, and so hopefully this won't be the last time we'll, we'll do this again, dig into more of these, uh, these topics and especially the church plant dynamics and all those things are fun to talk about. But, yeah. uh, yeah, if you found this podcast helpful, uh, this video, you can like subscribe to the channel, rate this podcast, wherever you're listening to it. And we will see you in the next video. Thanks for listening to the Spirit Truth Worship Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and also subscribe to the YouTube channel. And go ahead and give this podcast a rating in whatever podcast player you're listening to it in. And we'll catch you in the next episode.